Hello and welcome again to the Audio Epics podcast. My name is Domin de Grod, your host for tonight. <laughs> or today, or whatever the case may be. So first, some news about where Audio Epics is headed in the future. Well, um, lately uh, we've been uh, working on a project that will be released not by Audio Epics, but by... The Owlfield, which is a company owned by Michel Lafrance. The Owlfield specializes in 3D audio drama, and I was commissioned by Michel to write a fantasy adventure. And the end result is now ready, and it's something quite unusual. So for today, we have an interview with uh, Michel, or rather, a conversation between Michel and myself that will shed some light on this new project, The Fairy Tree. At the end of the interview, there is the first chapter of the fairy tree itself, so you can hear what the final product sounds like. And I have to say, I'm quite excited about it myself. So let's waste no more time and go right into the interview. So I'm here with Michel Lafrance, the owner of uh, The Yowl Field, uh, a production company specialized in 3D audio drama. And uh, we're going to talk about the fairy tree. What exactly is the fairy tree, Michel? Uh, the fairy tree is an interactive choose-your-path 3D audio drama. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the Owl Field, um, the Owl Field specializes in 3D audio storytelling. So we place the listener as the story's central character, and everything that happens in the story, whether it's characters or sound effects or music, happens around the listener in a 3D audio soundscape. So it's a really immersive experience, and with the fairy tree, we wanted to take that level of immersion even further by um, giving the listener the chance to choose how the story progresses by making decisions throughout the story. So at the end of each chapter, you're given a choice. So that's actually quite unique. Um, I mean, uh, first of all, you have the the first-person experience, uh, as you put it, that's I've never actually uh, encountered anything like that in audio before myself until I listened to um, one of the episodes that you uh, introduced for the uh, the Owl Field, and I distinctly remember it was about a haunted house, and um, I thought it was very interesting that you know it was a completely different experience from the kind of audio drama that that I was used to uh, up until that point. How did you get the idea to to start doing first person storytelling? Well, to be honest, it was both the the first person and the 3D audio. So I decided to, to start creating 3D audio. It was about three years ago now. Um, I stumbled upon 3D audio just browsing kind of videos on YouTube, really. Can, and can you uh, sort of explain to our listeners what 3D audio entails? Um, 3D audio is actually a way of kind of mimicking how humans hear sound in, in kind of 3D space in the real world. So if you imagine a sound coming kind of from your right side, that sound will hit your right ear before it hits your left ear. And to hit your left ear, it kind of has to, you know, bounce off the walls and stuff to go around your head. So that's how we locate sound. So most of the audio you listen to nowadays is in stereo. And if you've got headphones on and you're listening to stereo, that all the, the sound is kind of, it sounds like it's in your head. The 3D audio is pretty much the opposite of that. It's everywhere but inside your head. It's everything that's around you. So using 3D audio in, in audio drama, you know, with characters and sound effects and, and music and everything happening all around you is, is, is really, uh, you know, as I said before, it's a really immersive experience. So as soon as I heard it, 
on you know YouTube, I was just astonished. Um, I always like to relate it to um, seeing a 3D film for the first time. It's just it just seems impossible how the visuals in a 3D film or the sound in 3D audio just seem to transcend the technology. Like you can reach out and touch it. So I was just floored. I immediately wanted to start producing immersive stories using the technology. I remember when I was kind of taken aback when uh, when I heard a sound behind me and I instinctively turned around and <laughs> then I realized, oh no, it's 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 all part of the story. It's not really here. Um, and uh, that is indeed a, a completely new experience. Uh, and do you need any special equipment to listen to this 3D audio? No, that's one of the great things about 3D audio is that it can be experienced on any standard pair of headphones uh, or earbuds. So you don't need any kind of expensive or specialized equipment to listen to it. For the interactive aspect of the fairy tree, the, the choose your path concept, that was something I came up with almost immediately as well. Because the Owlfields format, um, you know, it places the listener as the central character. So the story is essentially a second person narrative. Um, so I knew pretty early on that the choose your path narrative was perfectly suited uh, to the format and was a great way to take the immersion even further. It was also a great way to have the listener feel like they're even more a part of the story. So not only do they feel like they're in the story by being surrounded by 3D audio and by being a character in the story and addressed um, by the other characters, but they also get to decide how the story progresses based on their own decisions. Yeah, it makes sense that if you are the main character as the listener, you want to have some influence on the story as well. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, it'd be interesting. I know when we set up this collaboration, you were, you were aware of the storytelling format that the Owlfield uses. But I kind of surprised you by springing this choose your path narrative idea on you right after you came aboard. <laughs> That's so at right. The time, yeah. Yeah. At, at the time, you were quite... You seemed quite open to the idea, but I'm curious to know whether you initially felt hesitant or concerned at all since you'd never tried to write this type of story before or, you know, and, and what kind of like, what were the stumbling blocks that you encountered compared to writing for like linear narrative? Yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to remember exactly how I felt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, well, I, when I first heard about the, uh, the 3D audio and, and, and having, you know, the main character be the listener uh, themselves, I, w I was more concerned at that point um, how I was going to, going to be able to to have an, uh, an emotional response um, for the listener. Um, but as soon as you, you said to me that uh, you wanted to turn it into a interactive story where, where, where the listener gets to make decisions, I think at that point... Some, suddenly something clicked for me and I thought, yeah, it actually makes more sense to me this way. It'll probably, it won't be easier because it, it would be more work and there's a lot more stuff to think about, but there are more opportunities to create a, a, an emotional engagement with the story if you have to make decisions, if you, if you really get to influence it as a, as a listener. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting idea. So why don't you, I don't think we've addressed actually what the story is, so why don't you go ahead and um, give you know our listeners a little um, taste of, of the story world that you created and uh, maybe even some of, the, some of the main characters involved. Yeah, uh, well, you originally approached me to write a fantasy uh, story aimed at uh, a younger audience, uh, or, well, at least suited for all ages, you know, not, not, nothing dark and grim like Game of Thrones. Um, 
And um, I was in, immediately, I, I love that because that's the sort of thing that, that I personally uh, want to create and what I enjoy most. Um, so uh, I, I, uh, I was very happy that you approached me with that kind of concept. I remember that uh, initially, um, one of the first things you said to me was, you know, I want it to be a classical sort of fairy tale fantasy adventure and the listener gets to make a choice. For example, you said, um, <laughs> you arrive at a tree and you have to pick a fruit. And there was something about that idea that, immediate, that I immediately um, sort of um, jumped onto. I thought, you know, a, a magical tree and you have to pick a fruit. That turned out to be the essence of the entire story. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm really happy with how that turned out. Um, it was a great way to kind of create this this um, multi-ending story, which is, you know, obviously a, a feature of of these choose-your-path type uh, narratives. Um, speaking of the the choices, actually, uh, what I thought you were going to say was um, one of the first choices I gave to you uh, as an idea, as as an example was far too mature, I think, for the audience we were trying to reach. It definitely involved death of some kind. <laughs> uh, so you kind of reeled me in there, um, you know, making sure that uh, it was, I think we end, were aiming for kind of ages eight and up. But there's no question that, um, you know, one of the things I stressed quite a bit was creating uh, genuinely difficult moral choices for all ages uh, from eight and up. Um, but, you know, just as difficult for, for a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old um, to make. And I think we've definitely achieved that, to be honest. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested to hear kind of how you found that creative process, the idea of kind of creating these moral choices for all ages. I play a lot of role-playing games, both, uh, both tabletop and, and video games. So... Um... Obviously, there's a lot of uh, inspiration that, that comes from that. I mean, even the very fact that this is an, uh, an interactive fantasy story immediately brought certain tropes from the role-playing uh, genre to it. For example, you get to pick a companion and, you know, there are different companions have different uh, qualities. You have the wise wizard and the strong warrior. I guess what I just try to do is I, I like to put myself in the shoes of the main character and uh, try to to think of things that I would find uh, difficult to choose. And I, I think one of the one of the, the 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 main ideas behind that is that doing the, the the noble thing, the right thing, should come with a cost. It should cost you something. It should um, it should be the it should be a harder choice. Because otherwise, people will very automatically, I think, choose the noble choice because it makes them feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and if you make that harder, if there is a, 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 a cost attached to it, then you might think twice about it. Of course, if you want to, you can just play as a complete jerk. And, uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a whole lot of fun, too. Um, so I, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to keep that open to, um, you know, to not steer the the listener in any direction too much. Yeah, I think it's it's quite often that you'll have um, a video game or something that it's it's too obvious which one you're supposed to choose. You know, it's usually to to make the the player, um, as you said, feel kind of good about themselves. You know, uh, 
kind of, but it, it kind of, they always steer the listener or sorry, not the listener, the player, um, a certain direction. You know, you, you're quite, it's quite clear. Now, this is not the case all the time, of course. Um, if, if a story writer creates a, a quality choice, then, um, you are going to be torn as the, um, the person experiencing it. And that's what I love about putting the listener in the story, um, is that they really feel like they're making these choices. But I think the choices that we ended up with are just fantastic. I, uh, unfortunately, I never got to kind of experience it myself. But even though I'm so close, I always kind of wonder what I would do. And, and my I flip-flop sometimes, you know, <laughs> I really I really do. I don't want to give away any kind of spoilers, um, but... Uh, but I'm really impressed with with some of the choices that you came up with. Oh, that's great! Thanks. Um, also, I, I do have to say, um, I, I didn't want the choices to be too serious. You know, I I don't want to bring up like serious real life societal issues or anything like that. I yeah. want I want this to be like an unexpected situation, and 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 you're just wondering, well, what should I do here? Uh, I mean, keep it fun. Keep it in the realm of um, of adventure. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's to the point where somebody's going to have to sleep on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I don't. Uh, I'll pick this up some other time. <laughs> no, I don't want that either. You know, I think it, lately video games have gone too much in that direction. You know, they made it too heavy, too serious sometimes. Um, yeah, I think I was trying to get you to do it in that direction as well, to be honest, I was being, um, I, I kind of wanted it to be quite a heavy decision. Um, but you're right. It was great to keep it kind of lighter and, um, yeah, no, it's, um, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, everyone that I've, I've, uh, got to give a sneak peek to, they've always come back and said, there's this one choice, uh, or another, you know, one or another, it's never even the same choice that they refer to, um, that they're just like, man, that was tough. I gotta say, you know? That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. It's also, uh, in, I think, what I hope, um, and, and I mean, I've listened to the whole thing myself now, and um, that was my experience. Once you've listened to the entire story, you kind of want to go back and immediately start over and try another path. There's definitely enough there for, for three or four quite different playthroughs. Yeah, we were definitely going for an experience where each path would have its own characteristic and something that the other paths didn't so that it was worth going back and, and trying different paths. And what I really love about what we did with the endings is that, you know, each listener can really compare and contrast um, their experiences and what they ended up with. I have to admit that one of the one of uh, my guilty pleasures was um, listening to the other choice uh, afterwards, <laughs> like what would have happened if I had done the other thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's hard not to. It's not hard to go back and see uh, what the consequences would have been. Uh, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people would love to, you know, relive certain decisions and or at least just, you know, find out what would have happened if they had chosen differently. There might be some deeply seated psychological reason why, <laughs> why this kind of thing uh uh, attracts people yeah um so let's talk about how the, the 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 fairy tree is you know it's a fantasy world and what that means in terms of the audio you've worked for the owl field with sort of extreme um environments before like a jungle and uh, and you know a co heavy combat situation um 
but I guess every kind of environment um, comes with its own challenges and its own um, pleasures. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, um, how exactly did the, the fairy tree sort of work out for you in, in, uh, in terms of working on the sound and bringing, bringing that world to life? Well, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, the great thing about the fairy tree is that, as we were just saying, the, the different paths have you go to different environments. So I got to do a lot of different things. I suppose. Um, now, again, I don't want to give away spoilers, but um, let's say you do end up in a in a forest, at least. Um, I should hope. <laughs> and I mean, you know, if we're talking about, say, the the forest itself, how to create the forest, I was quite I'm quite lucky that I've got a number of nice woodland areas fairly close by. And so I just kind of went out and recorded them and to get a sense of them and listened to as many kind of recorded forests as I could and picked out things that stood out to me as kind of mysterious or foreign sounding and also made a note of what I felt sounded too ordinary, like just common birds or pigeons or crows, that kind of thing. Um, so the forest here is obviously, uh, it's very mysterious. It's unknown. You kind of have this unease in there. Um, so I didn't want to have anything too overly cheerful either, like you know, singing birds uh, in the morning or anything like that. Um, so in creating it, I, I kind of used, you know, there's a little bit of reverb in there. There's lots of movements in the trees. Um, and I probably spent an entire day searching out animal sounds, the, the strangest and rarest creature calls, animal calls I could find. And that was so much fun because, you know, I was Googling things like 17 animal sounds you you have to hear to believe or something like that and then of course you can play around with those a bit and stuff i'm sure there's some wildlife experts oh, thank god for listicles <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i'm sure there's some people out there who might be like i know that one that's not very foreign but um it just sounds really strange uh so putting that all together was was great and the music helps a lot as well the composer and i um the composer joseph stevenson um we probably spent the most amount of time making sure we had the right sound for the forest, uh, which really is the central central piece of the story. So a lot of the music in the rest of the fairy tree stems kind of from that forest theme. And it's just a matter of combining everything in a way that feels, feels right for the setting and, and the kind of story world that you've created. I really enjoy the... Um the sound that you get in the forest, it, it really feels like an otherworldly place. Um, and it's fully recognizable as a, as a forest, but immediately there's this sense of there's stuff lurking behind the trees. Mm -hmm. In the distance. Yeah. And it's got that fairy feel as well. And, and that's something that I really wanted to um, evoke in, in, in the script as well is... Um, I wanted to bring fairies to the forefront, not as these, you know, cutesy... Um... Tinkerbell. Yeah, I, I wanted to say Tinkerbell, but Tinkerbell is actually <laughs> a pretty dark character if, 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 you, if you watch Peter Pan again. <laughs> um, so I, but I wanted to bring back the, the original feel of the fairies as sort of unpredictable and, and sort of mysterious and, 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 and alien and... They're definitely from another world, and mm. and and interacting with them is is not without risk, even though they're they're small and cute, um, and that's that sense of the that mysterious and slightly 
slightly threatening sense um, around surrounding fairies was something that I wanted to bring to the to the story. Yeah, I think you get that. You get a sense of that um, right at the beginning of the story, even you know, even before you meet the fairies themselves. You know, the the two characters, the main two characters in the first chapter, bring uh, one of the main fairies up, and kind of right away you can see that. Magisterius, which is the wizard, um, he's got a, a working relationship with the fairy world uh, through one of the fairies called Shiela. And, you know, he he believes in her. He thinks that she's um, she could be a force for good. And then you've got Brutus, the warrior, who just, you can tell, completely despises her, completely distrusts her. Um, so you've got that mix there, that, that conflict of are the fairies good? Are they bad? Um, you know, can we work with them or not? Uh, so yeah, I definitely think that that's what's come out of, uh, of the, that, that, uh, that writing style. And, um, I, th- I have to say that the, the performance of the actress who played Ciela did a lot, uh, to achieve that as well. Nikki Kerno played Ciela and, uh, really, really fantastic performance. I, I'm actually over the moon with all of the, the cast, to be honest. Um, I think it's really come together beautifully. Most of the characters really sound bizarrely like how I imagined them while I was <laughs> writing it. Um, so that's interesting. <laughs> I think that's, I got to say, I think that's the sign of a good writer. You know, it comes, it comes across, I could tell immediately um, what you were going for, um, particularly with Ogmog, um, the actor uh, Ben McCauley. Um, played Ogmog and again you know I, I pitched him down a little bit to make him bigger and more fierce but um, but it was it was clear and he picked it up as well um, I didn't even really give him that much instruction he picked it up right away exactly what you were going for with the character and, and again I love that performance yeah Ogmog is um, he's a big brutish troll that you meet in the story and um, yeah that, is that was a spoiler a should we enjoyable... say spoiler <laughs> sorry should we say spoiler on that one? I don't know. No, I mean, it's it's a fairy tale. I think people will expect a troll in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And actually, speaking of writing, one question I did want to ask as well um, was, you know, I was obviously really impressed with your handling of the first-person character, of this kind of first-person character not having a voice. Um, I thought you handled it flawlessly, actually. Um, how did you find working with the first person point of view and, and having a protagonist who just can't speak. Uh, yeah, again, I have to say that it probably helped that I play a lot of role-playing games. <laughs> um, I just sort of approached it from the viewpoint of, okay, so I am the protagonist and I just have to accept the fact that I can't speak. What I did do here and there in the script was uh, have, have someone say something like, you don't talk much, do you? To make it feel a little bit less less strange that the the main uh, protagonist is is quiet a lot of the time. Also, um, giving the 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 protagonist a title, um, the champion, which is you know a, a, a sort of gender neutral word um, that uh, could describe anyone who is heroic. That kind of helped. Uh, it made it easier for other characters to talk about the champion and what do you think, champion. Um, makes it easier for them to address you even though there is no you know you, you can't say your name or anything like that and um, and finally the fact that you 
uh, decided this should be um, an interactive story with choices at the end of each chapter helped a great deal. Um, that one of the first things that I the first, I was initially concerned about about first person storytelling because the protagonist is quiet and 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 I thought how are, how are you going to do a heroic fantasy tale when the protagonist can't do anything? But having it giving choices um, makes it so you can do something. You can have an influence. Um, you can decide things. You can you can actually say things by by making a choice. Yeah, I mean, I should I should probably we should probably have introduced this by saying that um, the reason the the first the protagonist the the main character can't speak is because. Um, the listener is meant to be in the story, so um, and and we need it to be so that the, the the character, the main character in the story, could be anyone. So that's why we need to make sure that you know the listener isn't kind of referred to by their gender or described at all by say their age or or anything like that. So that we you know so every listener will feel like it's actually they themselves in the story, and which is the reason they also can't speak. Um, you know, so we don't want the the listener to have a voice, and sorry, the listener's character to have a voice, and then the listener, you know, obviously is is snapped out of the immersion because that's not their own voice, right? Exactly. This is something that I've uh, experienced in in uh, in 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 role playing games, in video games uh, as well, which is that you know recently there's been a rising trend towards having your protagonist have a voice and actually I, I i thought it was more immersive in games when you uh when your character couldn't speak out loud and that allowed you as a player to <laughs> if you wanted to to speak your your lines out loud in your own voice or, or <laughs> and uh makes it more immersive in my opinion is that is that what you did well sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, one of the one of the uh, games that I always I have always loved and um, that I refer to usually in this as an example of this is Zelda. So the character Link, um, he doesn't ever he doesn't have a voice. And I think one of the original reasons I think this is true. Hopefully it is. Um, they did this on purpose. The developers did it on purpose um, because they didn't want people to feel like, well, that's not my voice. They wanted to feel. They wanted everyone to feel like they were Link. And it and it worked because Zelda is uh, is obviously you know a classic uh, game series. So I think um, we've made the listeners curious now about um, what the fairy tree actually sounds like. So um, what do you say? Should we uh, have a preview? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's put up the first chapter, and um, this is where you first meet the two companions, and you have to decide which one you're going to take on this journey to save the realm. Okay, and I advise everyone to listen with headphones or uh, earbuds to enjoy the 3D aspect of the audio. Yeah, and it's best to close your eyes uh, to really fully immerse yourself and be able to imagine everything around you. So don't listen while driving. <laughs> no, um, I didn't. I don't think I have to put that as a disclaimer. Hopefully, it's common sense. <laughs> the Fairy Tree, written by Domine de Groot, produced and directed by Michel Lafrance of the Owlfield, featuring Bill Dick, Joe Cassidy, Nikki Kerno, 
and a full cast. Narrated by Catriona Evans. To experience the 3D audio, please wear a pair of headphones. This should be in your right ear. Chapter 1 Greetings. Welcome to the Evergreen Realms. A name now wrought with irony, for now the lands are dark and suffering. You are the one tasked with saving this magical land, and you will do so through your decisions. At the end of each chapter, you are given a choice. Choose carefully, for your actions will dictate the fate of the realm for a thousand years. Choose your path, own your fate, and discover who you truly are. Now, enter the world of the Fairy Tree. Excuse the darkness. Take this torch. Careful, it burns hotter than most. It will be hot against your face. I cannot last reveal the reason you have been summoned to this ancient temple. Here we can speak plainly. I am to ask much of you, my young friend. The situation is dire. Our beloved Queen, Alicia, the morning and the evening star of the Evergreen Realms, has fallen ill, gravely ill. And with her, the land itself has come to suffer. Doubtless you are aware of the failing crops, withering orchards, and ailing cattle. It is all connected, I fear. Only once before has such a blight come upon this land. Please sit. There are few who know the legend, and even fewer who believe it. A thousand years ago, a curse fell upon our fair land, much like the blight we face today. The line of kings was close to ending as the royal couple failed to conceive a child. Desperate, the king sent forth the greatest knights of the realm, and for months on end, the knights spread across the realm, searching for a way to bring a child to the royal family. One after another, they returned, ashamed of their failure. And just when it seemed the line would end, one knight returned with hope, returned with the fruit of the fairy tree, and declared that should the queen eat it, she would bear a son. Indeed. Nine months later, our greatest king was born. I see what you are thinking, and you are right. All magic comes with a cost. And so it is in this tale. 
The fairy tree does not suffer the picking of its fruit lightly. The fairies sent a message at last that those who eat of the tree fall under its dominion, that one day the tree would make a demand of its own. And so it has been passed down in secret among the servants of the royal family. When robbed and blight are ailing thee, a champion cometh to the fairy tree. We believe you are this champion. Ah, well-timed, Brutus. Come. This is Brutus. He will accompany you on your journey, if you so wish. You must not linger, Magisterius. The Queen will not survive much longer. I have explained the gravity of the situation. <laughs> Are you sure, Magisterius? This one seems like a weakling to me. Fear not, Brutus. The Queen has chosen well. Courage and greatness can be found in the uh, <coughs> unlikeliest of places. I'll defer to you, as you've no failed as before. But for the journey that lies ahead, we need a strong arm indeed. Do not mind Brutus's scepticism, friend. He is a good man and a mighty hero. The road may be fouled by monstrous beasts, but he will defend you to the death, if need be. There is no finer warrior in the Queen's army. Aye, young one. You represent the Queen, so I'm at your service. Of course. Shiela may also be of great <sighs> use. Yes, yes, I, I know, Brutus. You are not fond of her. But she is the only link we have she's with a, the fairy world. She's an honorless sprite, like all the fairies. That's what she is. Shiela is one of the few fairies left who are willing to have dealings with the world of men. <laughs> she may have crucial knowledge of the fairy tree. Yet she's no here, is she? I will concede that she is... Uh, Unpredictable. There's another path, was it? Another path? Oh, yes. Well, if you truly desire it, I, I would be your guide <laughs> and advisor. Try not to be too enthusiastic, Magisterius. You might get your robes dirty, but it'd do you good to breathe some fresh air. Besides, your wisdom is known throughout the land. Your champion here would be more than fortunate to have you. Champion? Yes, a fitting name. Yes, well, if I were to go, Brutus, you would have to remain here to guard the secrets of this temple. Understood. The time for talk has ended, champion. It is time to decide, my young friend. The fate of our queen, the fate of our people, the fate of our land lies in your hands. Which one of us will be your companion on this most important journey? The time has come to make your first choice. Choose wisely, as you can choose but one companion for your journey. A journey for the Queen. A journey for the realm. A journey for survival. To choose the bold warrior Brutus, select chapter 2. To choose the wise wizard Magisterius, select chapter 9.
For the full production, please visit owlfield.com. All right, so um, that was uh, the first chapter of The Fairy Tree. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. And um, uh, so, Michelle, is there anything more you want to say before we end this episode of the, the Audio Epics podcast? Yeah, well, I mean, a big thank you to everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, and as you heard at the end of the chapter, you've got a choice to make. Do you choose Brutus or do you choose Magisterius? Um, so for the full production, uh, you can go to the Owlfield website, which is owlfield.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at Owlfield or uh, facebook.com slash Owlfield. But um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for this great conversation, Michelle. Yeah, of course. It was a pleasure. <laughs>